What's up and welcome to another episode of the Scott and Ian show on the SBL podcast today. Oops. He did it again. He bought another base. He played with your heart and he bought another base. Is he going to keep this base? We don't know. Do we even know which, do you know what base I'm talking about right now? No, you don't, but you're going to in the episode. Oh, will we ever, will we ever cure the gas, the gear acquisition syndrome? I don't know, but it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun to, uh, to see it in somebody else. <laughs> so Scott got a new base, check it out, see what it is. Um, also we talk about like, what would it take to make an incredible, inexpensive instrument? Scott and I play a bunch of like bougie bases, uh, but we're thinking more and more about what would it take to make the ultimate cheap base? And cheap there, you know, being inexpensive is really what we mean, right? But it's too long for a title, right? Also, do big headstocks change the tone? We talk about that a little bit too. Like, have you ever wondered that? Like, does the headstock have a huge impact on the sound? Some people think it does. We're going to tell you what we think, tell you that. Hey, what's going on at SBL? Today, Monday the 20th, we've got Jonathan Marin doing Space and Time. If you don't know Jonathan, he's incredible. He's one of my favorites. He's one of Scott's favorites. Check him out, absolutely. I need to check out that session, too. Then next week, Monday the 27th of November, Ariane Cap is in the mentor's seat talking about the E-scale, your, oh, E-scale, E-scalate? <laughs> your scales game. I don't even know what that is. I think I'm saying it correctly. Escalate your scales game. I Now I'm curious. I need to check that out. Um, but if you don't know Ari, she's incredible. Uh, so check her out. She does a bunch of theory and groove studies that help make sense of these complicated things, especially for beginners to intermediate players. But of course, if you're advanced, you can check it out as well. It'll always give you new perspective. I love going back to very basic beginner material because I always find that there's a gap somewhere that I have totally missed. So even if you think, oh, I know how to play all the major scales and how to do all that still, there might be something in there for you. Also, you guys, it's the last week to enroll in the Fretboard Accelerator. The cart closes on Friday, the 24th of November. If you want to check it out, scottsfretboardcourse.com. Again, that's scottsfretboardcourse.com. Let's get into this episode. Can I show Can I show the good people, though, this instrument that came in the mail that you posted to me, but that is that I'm going to bring over? Or are we, are we no dice on that one? No dice, dude. Die, let's get it out. Whip Should it we? out. I was going to say <laughs> something outrageous there. Dude, do you know oh. that stupid song? I can't even remember what it is, but it goes, when in doubt, I whip it out. Got me a rock and roll band. It's a free for all. Do you know that's a stupid <laughs> no. song? Oh, my no. God. Well, whenever someone says whip it out, uh, which is <laughs> such a ridiculous thing, I think of that stupid song and, and it's just in my head forever and it will never, I feel like it's like Ted Nugent or something. When in doubt, I whip it out. Got oh, me dude. a rock and roll band. It's a free well, for all. It's called free for all. Just so you know, when somebody says whip it out to me yeah. or when I yeah. hear whip it out, I do not think of that song. I think of something else. <laughs> I think of that song and something else because I think that's what that guy was talking about in that song. God, I wish we had, I wish we had someone to look that up. I'm on it, dude. Let me just look. I used to be for 
better or worse, um, whip. <laughs> when you put it <laughs> in this Google, Google what? Yeah, Google whip it. it out. Is it Ted Nugent? Ted. No, it's called Free For All is the name of the song. It's not called Whip It when Out. It, when in doubt, Whip It Out, Ted Nugent. It yes, is dude. Free For All, yeah. Oh, Ted the Nugent, Nuge, yeah. the Nuge, Ted. man. I used Listen. to have this Ted Nugent, um, I was going to say DVD, but it wasn't a Ted Nugent DVD. It was a, a Ted Nugent um, uh, VHS. It, dude, it was freaking awesome. Now, obviously, old Nuge, he's a little... He's very uh, he's, politically. What's the word? Um, I mean, he's very like politically outspoken on the right. He's, he's, a, very, he's got a point to make, yeah. And he's um, an, an intense gun guy. He's but an he's also. Gun guy. But but I he, love his vibe though as well. I mean, yeah, like this guy on stage, he was like top off. He had leather pants on. <laughs> And he had a raccoon tail, dude. He had a <laughs> yeah. raccoon's tail fastened to his ass. And I was oh, like, yeah. yeah. And when I was a kid, I was like, well, I, I have to say, I didn't ever think that I'd have a tattoo's tail, you know, on my ass. But, um, but I did think he was freaking awesome live. What uh, yeah. an awesome player. He was oh, yeah. awesome live. Yeah, he's a beast. He's a yeah. beast. Um, and, and so I, I'm about to whip out the new bass. How about that? Whip it out. Check this out. You guys, if you're not watching the pod, we would encourage you to do so so that you can see this. Now, Scott, I don't know how your connection is, but for me, it's crystal clear, and I'm seeing this bass in all of its glory. This is an Olinto five-string jazz bass. Also, guys, my voice today. I'm I think it's poorly. sexy. Like, you like it? I'm just it's... trying to control myself, mate, because you sound so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it goes down into the basement, man. I get yeah, real yeah, close to yeah. that mic, and it's real low. Probably hit a low, like low C or something. That down is there. insane. <laughs> yeah, That's insane. when I'm not feeling great, man, the uh, the the voice goes into the basement. That's for sure. Um, check this bass out, you guys. Alinto five string jazz. I mean, we've got that cool. Look at that fat headstock on that. Yeah, I know. It's a really cool headstock. I like this a This is big like headstock. one of the boutique. Yeah. Same, same. This is a boutique headstock that I think looks great. Uh, this is, I would say, maybe Fiesta Red, and it's yeah. nitro. They spray nitro there. And look at the beautiful – look, I'm going to flip it, and look at this beautiful neck. Is this like a roasted, flamed maple neck? I believe it is. Roasted, flamed maple neck. It's got this beautiful kind of sort of like veluti type thing. Like, that Well, it's thing not a volute. It's like a paint thing on the back of the headstock, which is beautiful. It travels yeah. slightly down the neck. It's got yeah. the old stool lollipop, the lollipop tuners as well, which I really like. Big, yep. fat headstock. This yep. is a, an absolute just – What's it called when you just purchase something off the, you know, uh, a impulse? It was an Retail impulse purchase, therapy. absolutely. <laughs> I was just like, oh. and and the funny thing is that um, somebody bought. So I saw it for sale on Reverb because hey, that's I spend you know a few minutes a day on Reverb. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I was on Reverb and. We were checking out, well, me, me, we, like me and myself were checking out Alintos and stuff like that, and other bases, <laughs> and that came up for sale. It was a new yeah. base, and I was like, holy shit, that was killer. And then somebody, and, and you know, like like always, I'm backing and forth in online, and generally I'll go through this all the time with bases. I'll look at them, and I'll look at them for several weeks, and then they'll disappear, and then I'm like, oh, 
didn't buy that bass, you know? Yes. And, and I had that experience with this bass. So I was like, Oh, I didn't buy that bass. It sold. And then three days later, it popped up back for sale. Whoever bought it decided it wasn't for them and put it back up for sale. And I was like, so they hadn't played it. So it was essentially new. Right. And I was like, oh shit, I'm just going to get it. Um, and I just thought, you know, worst case scenario, because I get a little um, nervy when buying online without trying a bass. I've done it a bunch of times, but I always yes. get a bit nervy with it. Um, the reason why I felt, I guess, more comfortable with this one is I've got an Alinto bass. I've got an Alinto P bass, which is absolutely fantastic. And so, and I know Mitch and the guys at and Eric at, at Alinto, and it's, so I feel comfortable with it. So I thought, oh, yeah. shit, I'm just going to get it anyway. So I bought it off that guy, and then obviously I've had it sent to you, and you're going to bring it over with you. I'm going to bring it time. over. Yeah, in a few weeks yeah. when you come over to do a bunch of recording over here. So, yeah, I'm really pumped about it. Um, I was definitely looking for a five-string jazz um, for a bunch of different reasons, whether it's – because uh, obviously I'm like, yeah, whether it's a keeper or not, we'll wait and see. But I'm really excited about it Ooh. because I do really love the uh, the Alinto P bass that I've got. I just like, I don't know, I've, been, I've like gone through the, you know, obviously we released the album now and I was saying to you earlier, I was watching back on videos and I think that in hindsight, you know, full circle, I was like watching back video. And I guess for transparency for everybody, I just haven't listened to them tunes for two months yes. more maybe. So I kind of forgot about that myself. I forgot what I sounded like in a week. I know it sounds bizarre to say that. but you I kind of a for- break. Yeah. You know, we recorded the, we, I prepared, we recorded the album, we mixed the album. Like that was, it, it just freaking went on for weeks. And after all of yes. that, I was like, I'm out. Can't listen to any yeah. of this stuff anymore. And And right. honestly, I've just been like listening to, old school funk and old school R&B and stuff for the last two months. Um, just to sort of like cleanse myself from that just deep dive into sort of like fusion craziness. Yeah, 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 yeah right. Uh, yeah, and and I was like, but but going through the album release, I was like, oh, actually, I, I sound okay. I sound pretty good on this stuff. I was actually kind of shocked. You do sound good, man. Um, it, it, yeah. it sounds great. Yeah. Your playing is great and the bass is great. And... <clears throat> Not just saying that because I like you. It's really, it's ferocious. The sound and the playing is ferocious on that record. Yeah, dude, I was really happy with, I was more happy than I thought I was. Yeah. I was more happy than I thought I was. I went back and I was like, oh, actually, bass sounds great. I think the playing sounds great. And I think that, um, yeah, I'm like super stoked with it. So, like, and that's just happened over the last few weeks. So... I don't know. It was interesting. Like watch, I, it was almost watching myself as an audience member rather than because I, I did the thing. I created the album or we created the album, Simon and myself and the guys we create. And then I had this huge break from it of a couple of months. When I listened to the album, I could listen to it really like, like an audience member. And I could listen to myself, not, I wasn't listening to myself play bass. It was almost like listening to somebody else play bass. Yes. So, you know, when you have that, um, when you hear somebody great play and you're like, oh man, I wish I could have a bit, a bit of that in my vibe, you know, oh, I love yes. their sound. How do I do that? I had those emotions about myself. I was like, oh, that actually sounds great. And yeah, so I was like really stoked. And then it kind of, 
put me in a, a, a little bit of a weird space. I was like, what does this mean? Do, do you know, like, what does it mean? Do I just lean right. into doing more of me? Like, and obviously I think that there is a strong case to do that. So all that to say, it will be interesting to get on that instrument that you're holding that because my F bass BN5, I know where I'm at with the F bass and that is the F yes. bass BN5 mm-hmm. is actually really modeled on a, on a, on a, on a, on a fender, right? On a jazz bass. Right. That's what it is. <clears throat> it is like, it's got two single coils in the jazz bass position. It's a five string, but in terms of body shape and stuff like that, neck, like kind of different. So it'd be interesting to see if I can do on that instrument that you're holding, what I could do on the BN5. So yeah, yeah. you're just going to have to see it's a really thin front to back profile, but a very wide neck, which I think feels great. I mean, I don't know. I don't know any Scott divine licks. I need to get some Scott divine licks under my fingers. I mean, maybe. (laughs) Ah, what do you play? (laughs) Something like that. Sounds great. Yeah, that bass sounds right. Yeah, right. Um, or you know, if you don't play it hard, right? Here's neck pickup. But if you snap it, yeah, it's cool, yeah. right? Bridge pickup. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's cool. And then, you know, of course it has a B string, like, holy crap. So it's so fun to play like a jazz bass with a B. Crazy. I'm super yeah. excited about it. I'm really excited about the, I'd be interested to feel what the neck is front to back. What's it like compared with your um, Lull? Cause you've got a Lull five, right? Oh, what? I wonder. I think it's actually fairly similar. This actually might be a touch thinner, the Alinto front to back, than the Lull. Um, you know me, man. I like that chunky neck. You like if a chunky you, neck, don't if, you? Yeah. If you ever play my Vorinsaku, you're going to be like, what? It's so chunky. Is it's it like, like a 50s P, but early 50s P based like kind a, of thing? Yeah, it's like a big ass ham sandwich. You're like, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah. I like that. But this, this is, I think, I think you'll really like this. It's very slender, uh, front to back. So yeah, dude, that's what kind of drew so me cool. to it as well. In the ad, it said a slim C shaped neck. And I was like, yeah. huh, okay. That's absolutely right. I think that's absolutely right. I also like, it has this sort of like big knot in the fingerboard right here. Yeah. It's cool. Isn't it? Which I yeah. think is so cool. Is this a rosewood board? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Indonesian. Oh. It's very, it's lovely. It's a huge slab, ro- a piece of rosewood too. It's really cool. Yeah, the, like Alinto generally do. Corners. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, isn't it? Like Alinto yes. generally do fat fingerboards, like really, really fat. So for any kind of jazz bass nerds or Fender uh, nerds out there, um, you'll know that the fingerboard thickness. Um, was a thing on fenders. So a Linto yeah. go with a fat fingerboard, uh, quite thick, whereas more traditionalists like Jimmy Capolo over at Oliva Capolo, uh, they do very thin fingerboards. And on some of the fingerboards, on some of the fenders, it was like a, a veneer almost, wasn't it? Yes. Like it was like a, yes. almost like a veneer. A tiny so, uh, bit of rosewood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They call that yeah. round lamb now. You know, I feel like they tried to get away from using the word veneer. <laughs> <You know? clears throat> sounded a bit cheaper 
Yeah, yeah. So they call that round lamb. But yeah, that's just a little tiny strip of wood. But I mean, whatever. Then you've got maple underneath. It just depends on, yeah, I, I've played slab boards that I really like. I've played round lamb veneer boards that I really like. It doesn't matter that much to me, but there's something about slab, you know, that word, right? And it was like more expensive to produce, right? In the early sixties. And that's why Fender then later went to round lamb or veneer boards because it was just less maple was cheaper. Than rose yeah, board. so pre- the predominant, like predominantly, the whole finger, but the whole neck is just maple, isn't it? With this little overlay of rosewood rather than a big slab board. Yeah, it's Dude, interesting. I am just hearing myself talk right now, and I sound ridiculous. I sound like the guy in the crash test dummies. Remember that, Ben? Once <laughs> there was this kid who. <laughs> Dude, just so you know, he wasn't that low. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't that, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't even sing that high right now. You need to like take, you need to take it up an octave. But like talking about basses, man, like I've just been nerding out so hard on them recently. Um, I've been talking to somebody. I I haven't really talked to you about it um, or any of the team about it. So it'll be fun just to sort of like dig in, just nerd out on basses for a while here. And we are going to be talking about strings as well. We're going to be talking about strings. So if you're dialing in for strings, we've got you. Um, But I've been talking to um, Andy. Basically, Andy um, Baxter and I have been talking about basically SBL and Andy joining forces. And, oh, and yeah, yeah. So Andy Baxter, if you guys don't know, basically runs like the most exclusive vintage bass store in Europe for sure. Like in Europe for sure. Um, and, and we were having a pizza the other day and, and I just, you know, we, I just questioned, I was like, could we build the most exclusive bass store in the world? Like, is that like a real, not just, not just vintage instruments, but something like truly special. I think he's special. I think that like he is, he's not only special because of the, his knowledge of instruments. Like he's probably, you know, one of the most knowledgeable people that I know when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to bases Um, and his speciality is definitely vintage bases, but also his attention to detail is maniacal <laughs> it's it really is it's crazy like and i really yeah. wish that other bass stores really took on board what he's doing and thought about like when you go and check out his bases he's like he's got the you know the the width of the neck at the first fret he's got that listed down he's got the width of the neck at the 12th fret he's got yes, like every right. little it like every little detail and every base Dude. that comes in the store, he spends freaking hours really spending like time and energy on not only setting them up as well as they can play, which I think is vastly underperformed by a lot of base stores out there. But Absolutely he really, right. Yeah. He really spends a lot of time putting um, energy into getting these bases to play as well as they can do, but then also making sure that he's giving the customers looking at the bases, like 
all of the real fine details that they need to make. And you can just, you can read the product listing and just by reading the product listing that he puts on, on his site, you're like, oh, this guy is a freaking maniacal nerd when it comes to bases. Yes. And anyway, yes. so I was talking to Andy and I was like, yeah, so there is an ongoing conversation, just so you know, Ian, that of like, I wonder if we could create like the greatest ever base store in the world. Oh the greatest, God. yeah, something like outlandish, outrageous. I think, outrageous. I think, I think you could, and I think it would be incredible. And I think for everybody listening too, don't worry. <clears throat> I will also try to make sure to have some input in that store and to oh, get yeah, the best budget conscious selections as well. Here's something that I think, Scott, yeah. right? <clears throat> so we, you know, we've got pretty bougie base tastes, right? I yeah. mean, I'm holding up this Alinto. Um, you know, I, I have this, this like, uh, this base with Mike Lull, the IMA four and they're expensive. And sometimes people are like, Oh man, how do yeah, we, yeah, yeah. like, I can't afford that. People can't pay four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars for a base right yeah. or above yeah. so i think it's going to be if we build the best uh base store with andy and sbl i think it's also going to be on us to procure the best budget instruments as well like budget instruments that you and yeah. i could actually really get behind um and i don't know what that is yet but i am really interested to figure that out that's really important to me. I want Dude, to figure out for me. I, can I, <clears throat> yeah. For me, when you say that, I the first place I go. Well, I'm not sure about what price range you're, you're talking about, so maybe we should define that as well. But where my mind goes is is like basically hot rodding bases. Like, does it exist? Is there a budget base out there that freaking grabs me by the heart and makes me want to freaking like, ah, oh, like grabs me by the balls, by the testes, right. Ian? <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Is there? Right by and the if testy. there isn't, yeah, right by the balls. <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah, just crushes my testes. Just, anyway. It doesn't let go. <laughs> I know, just, yeah, just sort of like grapples them. <laughs> <laughs> oh anyhow uh, and, and and i and i don't think there is actually so uh, i wonder if there's like an opportunity to to hot rod budget bases like what what would you do oh, if somebody came to you and they were like hey here's this yes to here's a 300 dollars base right and you've got and you, yeah, here's here's a three hundred dollar base, and you can spend, let's say, well, three hundred dollars on it. You've got a three hundred dollar base. You can spend three hundred dollars on it. What you're gonna? I know what you're gonna do. You're gonna change the machine heads. You're gonna change yeah. the pickups. Probably you probably yep. put some bougie pots on there. Do you know I mean like some really yeah, nice? Right. Yeah, strings. really nice. Con yeah, controls, really nice strings on it. Yeah. Give it a freaking awesome setup. You know, spend yes. some, like that's probably what it is. Maybe if I had a pit guard on it, put pull the pit guard off, put it some sort of like one of them sort of like cool like vintage pit guards on it. You know, like right. I, yeah, like it could be fun to think about. Um, that's a cool idea. Yeah. That's a cool idea of like of like how to take something that's existing and make it um, special. Yeah, make it special. That's yeah. cool. 
Um, yeah. I like that. And see, you're thinking in a really, really low price point. I was even thinking around a thousand or fifteen hundred. I was kind of in the zone of thinking about something under two, but that might still be too damn bougie, right? Like, I think is it's there a- something that we can do for five? You know. I'm just writing it down as an ultimate. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, it'd have to be, I think it'd have to be under a thousand. I think it'd have to be under yeah, a thousand. Yeah, I agree. If anybody's freaking out, by, out there, by the way, and like, you are, you are crazy, a thousand dollars is a lot of money. Like, obviously, it is a lot of money. It's just that, you know, for you, just so you know, like, mach- some like really top machine heads probably going to cost you like $120. Would you say hundred twenty dollars? Exactly, you're already. Yeah. yeah. So just just so everybody good, knows how the money adds up. Pickups two hundred two hundred two fifty. Like know, just right? just parts. You can you can see how it um, how it would add up. But it could, it, I'll tell you what though, man. It would be a fun project to to try and find what what is the base, um, and then what can you do to them to make them like badass and. and not only badass, but sort of like unique and special. Unique and special. Right. Um, yeah, that'd be really fun. Because like a few of my friends, like me and Sharon have talked about this recently, a few of my friends did that to Squires. They got Squire bass, or they touch your guitars. They got Squire yep. guitars. They pulled the machine heads off. They pulled all the pickups out, pulled all the wiring out, and they just replaced it all. Um, and And they're incredible. Now they're incredible instruments, but... It says Squire on the headstock. So, yeah. Yeah. The S word instead of the F word. Yeah, man. We could do some cool, we could do some cool stuff, but I'm really excited about it because I kind of think that it should exist. I think it should exist. I I think that um, Dave uh, that started out, uh, well, he started Reverb, but if people didn't know, the guy that started Reverb also was the guy that bought Chicago Music Exchange when it was mm, yep. not, you know, you look at Chicago Music Exchange now and it it wasn't anything like that years ago. It really wasn't. Dave actually ch- turned it into that with all of these sort of like you walk in now, there's these glass cases. It's like, right. it's, it's, it's the cross section of bass and art or, or guitar and art for those guys, yeah. right? They've got these yeah, like right. 59 Les Paul sunbursts and you know what I mean? Like the whole thing. So yeah. It would be really fun to figure out what that looks like for bass. And I think that, like, I, I don't see anybody doing it that really sort of, like, captivates me and makes me excited to, like, when I see inside Chicago Music Exchange, I get excited. I'm like, and that's mostly guitars. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think what they did as well, which was really cool, is that they had great artists come to the showroom and do live performances and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, that's yes. cool. You know, it, could we do, is there an opportunity to do that as well, where we have artists coming in and doing workshops? And, yeah, bunch of cool oh. stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It's a, it's a really exciting, it's a really exciting time, you know? It's an yeah, exciting man. time to be a bass player, you guys. <laughs> oh, it is. It's very it cool. Is. Dude, tell us it about is. the IMA4. Talk about basses. <laughs> Tell us about the IMA4 because uh, (laughs) I'll give them the backstory, then you can fill us in. Okay. So um, a few months ago, or maybe more than a few months ago, um, like maybe a year ago, Spencer Lull, who runs Lull Bases, 
um, who is Michael's son. Michael uh, passed away maybe like two or three years ago now. Um, so Spencer Will's Lull and him and Ian are friends and they got to thinking and they were like, hey, let's create something called the IMA4. Ian Martin Anderson 4. It's not a signature base. Well, that's what Ian tells me anyway, but it, it's a signature base without a signature on the headstock. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, so, and they did a, a really limited run of these a few months back and you did three yeah. instruments, didn't they? Like sold out like crazy, like within seconds. And yeah. and you've just done another limited run. And we were on a call and, and just so everybody knows, they were cool colours, like you did more colours oh. than like this time. There was like this fire mist yeah. one, the copper one, and like all of this stuff, right? Yeah. It looked great. And they're kind of like a mix between like they've got like really nice like metallic colours, but when I look at the base, I to simplify it, you know, the the because there's lots of really geeky stuff about it, but if I had to sort of like do a, um, you know, an elevator pitch for it, I would be like, okay, it's like a Thunderbird that that had a baby with a jazz bass. You know, yes. it's that kind of thing. Jazz bass body, Thunder bass pickups. Yep. There's some other cool stuff on there as well. And you've got like a reverse cool headstock. That's the kind of like the, the landscape right. of it, just in case anybody doesn't know and they haven't seen them. Anyway, so you did another limited run, uh, but you had yep. more pieces available this time round. And Ian and I are on a call. If you're on YouTube, Ian's holding up his beautiful one right now in front of the camera. Go subscribe to the SBL uh, podcast channel on YouTube. Uh, if you want to show us some love and um yes please and we were on a call when the bases went up for sale so we were like all super excited yeah. about oh, it was me sharon you lydia was on the call and we we're like oh how, are they gonna sell like how many is gonna sell oh like all of these questions and oh they God. sold in well there was a there was a tech snafu because a bunch of people were trying to buy the same base but but if yeah. that hadn't happened oh. yeah like so many people were trying to buy the same base that the system got kind of lot jammed up but check it out yep they they sold all of the bases under three minutes that is yes incredible it was crazy Bonkers. it was absolutely crazy and you know you just never know right like First of all, you never know if the thing that you you help make or help design is going to is going to resonate with people, but this one really has. Like as Scott said, yeah. it looks sort of like a marriage between a jazz and a Thunderbird. Um, it has reverse engineered uh, essentially from a '64 Thunderbird pickups in it, um, in roughly in jazz bass spacing. It has a really cool custom wiring harness, one meg pots, um, and then a, a custom capacitor. The the passive, it's totally passive, but that was a big and linear taper pots to instead of audio, which is different. So it blends a little differently. Like, you know, Scott with the jazz bass, when you turn a knob snap, it might as well just be a switch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. These, <clears throat> these are more like blendable, which is cool. Hip shot B best fender bridge. Uh, that isn't fender. I love this bridge. It's like the best upgraded simple fender bridge. I think, Slab, ebony, um, and then the neck, too. This is something I haven't talked about a lot. The neck is really a combo of Jazz P and T-Bird. It's T-Bird radius. Or it's like a more flat radius, like a Thunderbird. Yeah. It's slightly wider than a Jazz at the nut. Um, so it's 1.55. Uh, and okay, jazz bases yeah. are 1.5, so just slightly wider. So in between a Jazz and a P. And then the thickness is more like... Yeah, I don't know if you'd like the thickness, Scott. I love it. The thickness is 
four or something. Oh, it got some beef so to it's it. a little bit chunkier. Yeah, which I love. I love just like gripping it. I'm like, yep, it feels really good to me. It also has what we call dad font lumen lay on the side, like big side dots that glow. It's cool, dude. Which it's is cool. so cool. And then a giant reversed headstock. Yep. Maple, graphite, reinforced maple. Um, oh, and then also the other thing is a super light, like sourced swamp ash body that's solid. It's not chambered. Um, yeah. And it, the whole instrument, like as big and meaty and amazing as it is, comes in at like under 8.5 pounds. And some of them even went under 8 pounds, which is crazy. They're really? expensive, but they're wow. worth every freaking penny, man. Um they are they're amazing. I think so. I've been playing it a lot. I've been touring it. Um, I, whenever I pick up uh, like a four string long scale bass, I'm reaching for this one. So I was floored. Uh, we did Fire Mist Lavender. That's what this is, and we did Fire Mist Amber, which is sort of like that coppery gold color Scott mentioned. We did um, yeah. also Fire Mist Charcoal, which is like a greened out charcoal frost and then there was an easter egg one too there was we call it blue sky no we call it big sky blue it was blue and it had white racing stripes but the back was natural and dude that one was more expensive and it sold first I you were worried about that one weren't you you were like oh i'm not sure it's gonna sell i was like yes yeah, that was the first i was like sold, dang man it? that one's expensive but it was one of one and there were multiples yeah. of all the other colors um and so hey if you Did bought you one go... out there thank yeah. you yeah man like shout thank out to you. everybody that's bought you know one. like yeah, thank amazing. you so much and let me know if, if you have one um and you managed to get one post something with it tag me and i'll, I'll i'd love to see it i'd love to see what you do but sorry, Scott, you were saying. I did want yes, to ask you about yes, the headstock because, um, sure, yeah, because you you went for something bigger, didn't you? Now I'm not sure whether you or, or or the people listening. I think that you'll have heard of this, but the more mass on a headstock, there's a few luthiers that yeah. buy into the ideology that actually it helps with the tone. So I'll give you a couple of examples of this. So Mike Tobias. Um, he puts weights in the back. If you look at an MTD base, it's got a veneer on the back of the headstock. And that is because underneath that veneer, there is a small weight. Um, also, if you look at the Alinto Jazz that you were holding before, Ian, that's got a big, badass headstock on it. Big headstock. And I saw like Masshino, who was making Alintos, um, up until very recently, and definitely was part in the design of that headstock. Um, he was talking on Instagram about big headstocks and he, why he thinks that they are, uh, why he uses them. If you look at Masino's headstock design, he also makes his own bases, also very big headstock design. And he was saying that his belief is that not only does it make the base more stable, but it also like um, alters the tone, makes it gives it a better fundamental mm. in terms of the instrument. And then there's somebody yeah. else as well that has big headstocks that's uh, that I'm forgetting. But was that for you? Was it anything to do with that from a tonal perspective, or was it more to do with an aesthetic perspective? Dude, I would love to be able to say to you, "Oh yes, oh <laughs> you know," and we researched the you know, and and of course, yes, tonally it was very considered. No, um, for me, uh, I it was purely aesthetic. I love a Got big it. headstock. Yeah. I also like 
this headstock shape when it's this size. I think it's really cool. It like, it feels classic to me, but also like a little bit eighties, nineties, which I really dig. And when it's flipped, there's a few things when it's flipped. First of all, it's a little bit of like a rock and roll middle finger, which, Hey man, (laughs) I'm here for it. I'm here for it. That headstock's flipped over. There's some guys like, I don't know about that headstock flipped over. I'm like, yeah, well, guess what? It's a little bit of a rock and roll middle (laughs) finger, and I'm a little bit of a rock and roll middle finger. So for me, I really like that. Uh, But then the crazy thing is it's also like – think of this, right? When you're you're playing the bass and you go to tune (laughs) – I've done this before, but you come up here with a T-Rex arm. Dude, you come up here. Look at that little T-Rex arm tuning the bass way up here. But look at this. When you're doing it down here, check it out. It's just right here. You got it all. You don't even have to change your – you don't have to go up top to tune. Yeah. You got it right here, like you, which I think is get, really interesting. You get your hands like this and you like re- you do the reach around and then you do the little tickle. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, when they're up top, yeah, you got to do the reach around with a T-Rex arm. Nobody wants the reach around with a T-Rex arm. I'm sorry. Oh my god! I'm, I'm so just trying sorry. to get in your every grade. time. Yeah, I just want like, every time you go to tune your bass that you think about balls. That's all I want. That's my that's, that's my main focus. My main uh, my main want in this conversation. Oh, just please, to implant I'm like, that I'm into like, your brain. La, 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 yeah, yeah, la, la, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, People have asked me about the reverse headstock thing, like if the longer string length to the post for the E string helps. I don't know. I mean, the E string on this bass sounds huge. Like, it's not plugged in right now, but like, yeah. The crazy thing is, it it does. It certainly doesn't hurt. You know, I can't say like, oh yes, because there's a longer, you know, past the nut, there's a longer reach to the tuning post that's going to, you know, increase tension and resonance and all. Some people would make that claim. I'm not making that claim, but I am saying it doesn't hurt. Flip it around. Does, does the G string feel any different? I mean, this instrument feels incredibly well balanced. Like it, it's a really, the, this this bass is like a really lovely instrument. The balance, the way the fingerboard is rolled, the fretwork, the nut. Like so, wherever I play it, I'm like, oh, this bass is like really like probably I don't know, maybe one of for sure the most quality instruments I've ever had. Just in terms of yeah, like yeah. fit and finish and how it how it works. But um, so I don't know. Like if I had this bass with a headstock that was flipped the other way. Would the G string feel different? I'm not sure. It feels really well balanced though. Um, but I wouldn't say like, oh yeah, the, the G string, since it's so short to the post, feels like a short scale. It doesn't feel like that. It, uh, yeah. it just feels incredibly well balanced. Like I just want to be it careful hasn't not altered to alter the tension of the G string at all. No, 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 because you know, the termination, like the, the scale length termination is from nut to bridge, right? So yeah, where the string yeah. makes contact with the bridge and the nut, right? That's really sort of where there would be people that say like, that's where it ends um, in terms of tension. It's actually the scale length, but it makes a lot of sense to me that the G string is then the shortest to the post, then next to the D, then next to the A, then next to the E. Like that's how a piano is. So I don't know, to me, it sort of feels like it's one of those things that, you know, of course we're used to the tuners being on the top side, but you know, is that, did Leo get that right? 
I don't know. Like if, if Leo had made that 51 base and the tuners were on the bottom and that's just what everybody knew, that would be the thing. That would be regular. Yeah. yeah that would yeah, just be like, yeah. oh yeah, yep. That's how a base is. But he didn't. He made it like a Telecaster, you know, with the tuners on yeah. the top. But there's something about this which feels, um, I like that it feels a little bit irreverent. Like I said, rock and roll middle finger, but also it's not just aesthetic for just for the sake of being different. I think there is like, if there is some benefit to it, I think it's possible that there is benefit to having the longest post be E string all the way up to the G. So yeah, 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 man. And it, and it looks freaking badass. So <laughs> you're like, you know. I don't care though. It looks wicked. <laughs> I respect that as well. I respect that, man. I think it's it's great. It's great. Dude, yeah. I'm gonna have to bounce, otherwise the kids are gonna be sat on the pavement waiting for their dad. <laughs> oh, maybe I should just do that. <laughs> Can't have that. Just so everybody knows there's a there's a squirrel sat on a tree outside my house, and he's like eyeing me up. It's like some kind of staring competition. He's like staring right at me. And what makes it weirder is he's got a nut in his mouth. He's got... <laughs> so you can see all his teeth. He's like, it almost looks like he's growling at me. Oh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you for listening. Oh As always, God. we appreciate you. And uh, we will see you next time around. Take it easy. See you in a bit. Bye. Take care, everybody.